Good morning, it is first thing Friday, so time for fix. Things are a little different, this is the first insider, so only for paying subscribers. It's still made with Amazon Polly and a synthetic voice. Fix March Insider Friday March 26th. Welcome to the first Fix Insider Friday, our first newsletter just for paying subscribers. You will also get the Wednesday deep dives as exclusives too. Those who cannot expense Insider or write off against tax, get Fix Lite, a version of this Friday newsletter, on Monday. And Insiders are part of our community, the first manifestation of this is our guild, which kicks off this weekend too. Use the guild, or hit reply, for any questions and to add your views and thoughts. Looking forward to this and appreciate you getting involved. Newt. Our deep dive this week was on Newt and we covered the big Amazon slash NFL deal, ITV learning how Amazon operate, the return of cinema, understanding audience and more. Catch up here. We mentioned some new Samsung research, gleaned from their 46 meters smart TVs across major European markets, and now we see 30% of UK households use Samsung's Tizen smart TV platform, well ahead of Amazon et al. Another gatekeeper. Merchant. A couple of UK success stories help us get the scale of the opportunity for great merchants. A Newcastle menswear store started with £40,000 is now worth £750 million, as P firm Carlisle Invest. Given articles quote their sales at £170, meters, that is quite a deal. Especially when suppliers like Adidas and Nike are open with their ambition to drive up direct sales. However most of the big fashion platforms are mainly aimed at women, so maybe there is an opportunity for a male-focused player? Another northern business that knows how to sell is the Hut Group and this is a great profile of their varied business. Now their expertise is being used to help Coke and others launch DTC businesses. For a global take on the merchant word this Economist podcast is good, with key people from Shopify, Instacart and Pinduoduo Duo talking about the data-driven retail revolution. Last Mile With the Deliveroo IPO now set for April 7, this Twitter thread is a good summary of the key points in the prospectus. One thing mentioned is their goal to be involved in all 21 weekly meal occasions. Really? This is a very negative take on the investment, comparing them with DoorDash and Takeaway, who won't just eat and are threatening a price war. Drew is probably close to worthless. The fact is Drew is a subscale player competing against a well-capitalized, aggressive, and larger competitor with a structural cost advantage, in an industry that benefits from network effect. Amazon is to reduce its stake to 11% possibly making $148 million from the IPO. Does that mean they have made most of their money back? In the US Gopuff is now valued at $9 billion, Berlin-based Gorilla raised 245 million euros, giving them unicorn status after just nine months and London is swarming with startups built around quick delivery. Every single VC is rushing to make a bet in the category. It's a lot of money, riding on kids on bikes. R. We are working on a fixed live webinar around R, probably next month, as there is so much going on. The IOB in the US have released a buyer's guide, pointing out that 97% of brands on the Forbes Most Valuable Brands list have used or are currently using R. One of the pioneers in R is back, Blipper have raised $5 million. And this is a great example of what is now possible. AdTech The world of AdTech is at something of an impasse. We all expected to be dealing with the fallout of the perfect storm this month. But the trigger events are paused. The emergence of the Chinese app tracking work around Kaid seems to have perplexed Apple. They have warned Chinese apps to stop, but Eric Sufert nails it with rock, meet hard place. Over at Google, the momentum with Flow CS has stalled since someone admitted that they might not be compatible with European privacy law, 
given the ongoing vagueness with GDPR, has the ECO yet announced next steps in its scrutiny of ad tech? This could take some time to resolve. In the meantime people are still working hard on what's next. More and more people are recognizing the value of the first-party data they have. Here are loyalty cards to card talk of their plans in Australia. Comscore are pushing their predictive audiences. And we are reminded that COVID has supercharged the ad triopoly, Google, Facebook, and Amazon. But fraud still haunts the digital ad business. The FT wonders why advertisers are not more concerned that Facebook disabled over 1 billion fake accounts in Q4. Dark Patterns We mentioned a few weeks back that dark patterns were made illegal in California. This practice is the dark arts of customer experience and at its most blunt when people eventually learn that cancelling accounts cannot be done online. News publishers are one of the guilty categories. In a Twitter conversation this week someone lamented that companies are so bad at alerting people to close unused accounts. Netflix is the shining example here, often proactively closing accounts where they can see people are no longer using the service. But this good practice is rare. I found in financial services that most UK banks have huge amounts of money in savings accounts, earning next to no interest. Much of it had been attracted years earlier by market-leading interest rates, which were then trimmed year by year, knowing little old ladies will never notice. It's like auto-renewals that fleece loyal customers. Publishers One major beneficiary of the ad tech perfect storm should be publishers, rich with first-party data and many able to provide great context. In the UK Ozone Project is powering ahead and in the US the Washington Post Zeus initiative seems likely to be widely adopted. This is a good look at their Zeus Pass which gives users one login to access content across many publishers. We see similar agreements in many European markets with netted in Germany perhaps the most enhanced. GDPR seems to be driving wider adoption. In the UK this has always seemed as a step too far for many but news that the Telegraph is outsourcing print ad sales to the Daily Mail shows how things are changing. More evidence of the strategy at the Telegraph in this look at how they value content, measuring impact through a blended metric for acquisition retention and engagement. In the US publishers are embracing data too, this analysis of how the New York Times AB tests their headlines is a great example. East So much to learn from the East, even outside China and India. This look at how some of the region's largest startups got started is really interesting. It's clear that Chinese regulators are taking more of an interest in the Chinese tech firms. But government actions are also impacting Western firms, shortly after H&M said they would stop using cotton from the Xinjiang region, because of concerns over forced labor, they were delisted on Tobauf, Tmall, JD.com, and Pinduoduo. ByteDance acquires gaming studio Moonton at around $4 billion valuation. Tencent spent more than Alibaba on startups in 2020. Plus plus. Ian Rogers on innovation and luxury and the NFT opportunity. ISBA pushes ahead with Origin Project despite hesitancy from TV broadcasters. TikTok will no longer let people opt out of personalized ads. Zero-click Google searches rose to nearly 65% in 2020. Microsoft said to discuss Discord bid for over $10 billion. A16Z have update their report on marketplaces. We spend a tremendous amount of time worrying about media targeting and programmatic media and optimization but we don't do nearly enough, I'd argue, to think about how to personalize the creative messaging that goes to consumers and that has to have equal weight. Mark Reed WPP brave enough to admit they don't spend enough time on creative. Most people don't. Yet digital creative is a superpower, it can transform your media arithmetic as good creative makes your money work so much harder. We know lots of great creative tech firms that can help. Hit reply.